What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, suits from the KVJ Show, and we are ready to talk some NASCAR here over the next hour. And it is a big weekend that we are just coming off of. It's been a question mark ever since it was announced. What is it going to be like to race the dirt at Bristol? Honestly, I did not have any idea what to expect out of this race. When they first announced it, I can't really say I was on board with it either. I was kind of a critic. I just, I didn't know how this was going to go. First of all, we haven't had a cup car on dirt in 50 years. 1970 was the last time we did this. So it's been quite a while. And two, Bristol is not a dirt track. This is a concrete racetrack and they were going to convert it. They've done it before for cars that normally run on dirt. They're much lighter. They don't dig into the track like these big, heavy stock cars do, especially these cup cars. So really, I did not know if this was going to be a success or not. I got to tell you, though, watching this race, as we got closer to it, the hype started to build. I started to come around, get excited for it. And after watching a couple of races, were you not entertained? I I thought it was a lot of fun. The track held up well. We had a couple of issues, but this is the first time that NASCAR's done this. And, you know, it started, of course, with the weather and A lot of people automatically were jumping down NASCAR's throat on that because we had to postpone it kind of quickly with weather issues. Uh, Didn't even make it, I believe, till noon on Sunday before the race was postponed. We didn't get much of the racing in on Saturday. But at the end of the day, if we do a regular purpose-designed dirt track or we do Bristol Motor Speedway, nothing's going to change that. If it's going to rain, it's going to rain. There was a lot of weather throughout the country. I, I saw on Twitter there were only a handful of NASCAR tracks that did not experience rain at some point over the last weekend. So we were kind of screwed either way. The dirt, yes, it doesn't get dried up like a, an asphalt track. There's a lot of work that has to be done. NASCAR gave it a valiant effort on Saturday, two-minute uh, mud. That was the issue right off the bat. We ran a lap, and it was very muddy in the uh, truck race for their qualifying heats. But when we got to the actual race, I thought NASCAR did a, a decent job Keeping up with the track, the dust and the visibility, it it became an issue. That was definitely noticeable. At one point, NASCAR made the move to change to single-file restarts during the cup race. And I wasn't really sure at first if that was going to make a big difference, but that's why I don't run NASCAR. We always love to criticize them. It appeared to work pretty well, clean up the dust that had gotten on the track and maybe the issue that we need to deal with is just how do we prep this track next year which there is going to be a next year this race is coming back it was announced in the middle of the cup race that uh 2022 will feature a dirt race at bristol as well but i I think maybe we're going to learn from this and nascar can go back and see what they did to the track that maybe made it too dusty and next time have a better plan to fix things up hopefully the weather holds out and we can have a great show but At the end of the day, I can't call this race a failure by any means. And I wasn't sure going into this weekend if that's where we were going to be. I was very entertained by this race. The buzz around it was great for the sport. NASCAR was on the cover of the sports section on major newspapers. I mean, we were getting a lot of press because something different was happening. And it was a great show. It completely changed from what I expected. It was nothing like it. The guys who I was sitting here last week saying they're going to win, trust me, No, none of that happened. Logano wins the race. I mean, that's not who I had my money on in this dirt race. But um, either way, I found it to be a great show. And really, I just, what's the big deal if we do it once a year? 
I don't think we should be doing a ton of dirt races. I don't think that's where NASCAR should be at. I, I think you don't want too much of a good thing in this situation, but Bristol Motor Speedway really delivered for this dirt race. A lot of questions have been posed, maybe what we should change for next year. Um, visibility. That was one of the biggest issues we saw um, at the racetrack. And obviously, first of all, when you're dirt racing, that's going to be a given. You're kicking up dust. You're kicking up dirt. It's going to get on the windshields. The big difference between a cup car, other than the weight, compared to a lot of cars that run on dirt, is they don't have windshields. We do on these stock cars. The bonus to that for these dirt guys is they can just tear off, you know, a tear off right from their visor. So whenever they can't see, they have the ability to clean that. We don't have those in stock cars. You can't reach out and pull a tear off off the windshield. Uh, I saw the squeegees and the Swiffers getting a workout as they were trying to clean the insides of the cars. But what I did think was interesting was this suggestion that maybe we should take out the windshields. And I think it was Mike Joy I saw offer an opinion on this. He said, absolutely not. I could not agree with him more. Look, it's not going to be easy when we head out there, but we shouldn't be taking the windshields off these cars because honestly, that's what makes it tough. It's a stock car. They're not made for dirt. This is a challenge that you have to overcome. That's why this was such an interesting race to watch because there were other elements that you don't deal with on a regular basis in a dirt race that they had other than just not having experience and the way these cars drive and handle the track we were on, I think having to deal with visibility issues actually made things different. It made it more exciting. And for the most part, other than that issue where it got too extreme in the middle of the race and NASCAR had to enact probably the best rule in the rule book, um, it is in the rule book as um, number 10, section 1D. And that allows NASCAR, basically, as Bob Pockers put it, to change any rule at any time they want. It's, it's very word, uh, a very well-written rule that basically says they can do whatever they want at any point. doesn't matter what else is in the rule book. So that allowed NASCAR to step in and change the overall restart rules. And other than that, everything else was pretty smooth, I felt, in that race. We had some crashes. It's a given. It's a wild card. I thought it was a pretty good show. What I couldn't believe, though is the people on social media who actually compared this race to the 2008 Brickyard 400, which blew my mind because if you're a NASCAR fan, you know the atrocity that was the 08 Brickyard 400 in Indianapolis. That track has never recovered from it, attendance-wise. But if you are newer to the sport and you're, you don't know about this race, in 2008, and I, I don't know what it was that Goodyear miscalculated on, but the tire they brought to Indianapolis could not handle the racetrack. It, it's got these grooves in them that were very rough on the tires, and it was not... Um, in addition to that, you know, being rough on the tires, the tires themselves weren't laying any rubber down on the track. So what we ended up with was you could basically go about 10, 15 laps, tires exploded. We had competition caution after competition caution, extra tires being brought in. It was, it was a disaster. I don't think you can draw that comparison to this Bristol dirt race though. It was a little bit hectic. It was a wild show. Yeah. We had to uh, make some changes on the fly. But at the end of the day, we had good competition. We had runs compared to the truck race where we were basically going under caution every other lap. We had some decent sized runs in this race where we were going 30, 40, 50 laps under green. So it was possible to do that. It, uh, the only thing that um, 
maybe just it wasn't as prevalent in people's eyes because of how good the racing was throughout the field, there really weren't any lead changes. Normally, everybody's complaining about that. There were only five lead changes throughout the race, and one of those was counted because Kyle Larson uh, had a drop to the rear after starting up front. That was the only knock I really had. It seemed like it wasn't easy to take the lead. But other than that, I just don't see... You're kind of a hater, honestly, in my eyes. If you're going to sit there and try and be like, this is the Brickyard, no eight all over again. Not even close. We had a great race. It was something different. And at the end of the day, when we finally got this thing in the books on Monday, we got through the weather. I don't hold NASCAR... Um, at fault for anything that happened with the track surface from the weather. It rains. It happens. Honestly, we may have had to go ahead and cancel this race, regardless if it was dirt or not, because if you looked at the parking lots, the campgrounds, the flooding, I don't know if the dirt track would have made a difference. They did a remarkable job getting this surface ready to go. Credit where credit is due. NASCAR really deserves it for the work they did to get this surface ready to race on Monday, because honestly, I'm not going to act like I'm a dirt racing expert. I had no idea what was going to go into getting that track race ready, and they did a good job. If anything, it might have needed a little more moisture in it. It kind of dried out, and I think that's why we saw some of the dust. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like people are coming down on NASCAR for trying something new. This is what had to happen. We needed to do something different, and I applaud NASCAR and everybody there who decided, you know what, this could be a disaster. But the attendance isn't great at the spring race. It hasn't been for a while. This event needs a shakeup. Let's give it a shot. And, you know, you, you see a lot of people, they criticize other sports because they're too stuck in their ways. NASCAR, I'm giving them the credit for changing things and giving it a shot because the Bristol spring race was not a must-see event in terms of going there. I love watching any race at Bristol. It's always interesting. The dirt almost performed a little bit more like the old Bristol. You were a little more glued to the bottom line as opposed to the high line we have now um, pretty prevalent in cup races on the concrete surface. So uh, honestly, it felt like a best of both worlds situation. I have heard uh, some talk about maybe just turning Bristol into a dirt track. I'm going to say no right there. You got to stop with that, though. Keep the spring race a dirt track. I'll be okay with it. That's cool. But Bristol Motor Speedway is an awesome racetrack without dirt. It is a unique racetrack. Even though it's not quite the old Bristol that everybody wants, that there's more grooves, maybe you don't have as much uh, uh, beating and banging. Granted, you still have plenty of it. Believe me, Bristol is no uh, shortage of entertainment. But I, I really don't like this, this idea of just abandoning the concrete at Bristol and going straight to dirt. It was an exciting race. Let's keep Bristol, though, the way it should be for that night race. It's expensive to do the dirt. I'm sure it is. I was kind of surprised by the announcement we're doing it again, just because, call me crazy, it doesn't seem like it would be worthwhile to spend all the money and get all the resources together to turn Bristol into a dirt track every single year and then turn it back. But that being said... I guess you could draw the comparison to street races like the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg we've got coming up in a little bit. That's a huge to-do that they have to shut down city streets and bring in construction crews for that, and it, it's still worth their while once a year. So I guess you can make the same argument for Bristol. Uh, I also want to clear up another misconception that I saw on social media because uh, this one was was getting to me a little bit. The concrete was not showing at Bristol. A lot of people were trying to act like we didn't have a true dirt race, that 
all these uh, guys were just racing on concrete that had a little dirt spilled on it. We ran through to it. We're not even halfway through the race. This is pathetic. That was the rubber. That wasn't the concrete. That was dirt that had rubber laid down on it and turned it more of a grayish color. If you looked at the asphalt, or the dirt rather, because you couldn't see the asphalt, you could tell it was still dirt the way it had holes in it and the way that, you know, the bumps were. It was obvious it was dirt. There was about nine feet of dirt under that. Believe me, you were not going to get to the concrete. Uh, funny enough, uh, it was very interesting to think about how they did all that because they changed the banking at Bristol, brought it down considerably to 19 degrees. They weren't going to be able to keep those 30-some-odd-degree banking that they have there. So the move actually meant that there was just about an inch or uh, rather a foot of dirt by the outside wall, whereas down by the apron you had that nine feet of dirt. So believe me, there really was not an issue with the track prep. For the most part, very consistent show out of NASCAR. Um, I would call it a success with a few bumps in the road, and I think next year they're going to get a better handle on it. Hopefully, we keep the weather away, and we will have a fantastic race here next year, just as we had on Monday. If you didn't check out the race, you know, I know a lot of people, unfortunately, were stuck at work. It's worth going to NASCAR's YouTube and watching. It was quite the show. It had a lot of twists and turns and things that I did not expect, especially when it comes to the results. And that's what we're going to get to next. Breaking down your finishing order in the cup field, how Joey Logano was able to get to victory lane. Martin Truex Jr., he was unbelievable through both races this weekend. And Daniel Suarez needs a major shout out because he was, to me, the surprise driver of the race. More Flag to Flag is coming up in just a second. It's Fox Sports 640. Well, Joey Logano got himself a huge win over the weekend. It's Jeremy Kaufman on Fox Sports 640. This is Flag to Flag, the Palm Beach's home for NASCAR. And yeah, for Joey Logano, he just did something that somebody has not done in 50 years in a NASCAR Cup car. He went to victory lane on a dirt track at Bristol. And, you know, I'm kind of eating crow today because... Last week on this show, I was steadfast that we are not going to have another new winner to start this season. And the reason I said that is because Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell have such great talent on dirt. You look at Christopher Bell, you know, we talk about Kyle Larson a lot and what he did last year on the dirt tracks and how good he is in general. But let's not sleep on Christopher Bell, who won three straight Chili Bowls. That, that takes a lot to do that. That's a tough race to not even, not alone win, but just to make the feature with the amount of cars you have trying to get into the feature all week long. He managed to win that race three times in a row. That just goes to show you the kind of dirt racer Christopher Bell is. Well, you look at these two guys. I expected Kyle Larson to be very good from the start. And he had the pole because of the rain out. That was the thing where I'm like, oh no, Kyle Larson's going to put a whooping on these guys. He's going to stink up the show. Probably a gift to the rest of us, but it really hurt Kyle Larson. Like most Hendrick cars have been doing for the last few weeks, though, Kyle Larson started at the rear of the field. Now, this time, it wasn't inspection issues, so I will not be as harsh on Hendrick for mistakes here. This was something that probably helped them. Uh, they caught an engine issue before the race and had to make that change. Well, in this race, Kyle Larson did exactly what I expected. He drove through the pack. He was up in the top five, just 54 laps in. And that's when the moment that changed everything to me happened. It started with Christopher Bell, who got a little bit too high, spun that car out right in front of Kyle Larson. And we saw a number of multiple car accidents in this race. It's difficult to see. It's difficult to stop on the dirt. We saw this kind of wreck with Larson and Bell. 
he kind of T-boned Christopher Bell after he spun out, and then he almost drove him down into the pack and caught up a couple other cars. Nothing that Kyle Larson really could have done there, but it does make you wonder, if he started on the pole, would Christopher Bell have been in front of him? And you know, there's no way to prove it. There's never a way. I'm, I'm not normally a big fan of coming out and saying, you know, but if this didn't happen, because we don't know what really would have happened. But you can't help but wonder what the race would have been like if Kyle Larson had the ability to start up front. He had a good car, not like the truck race. He was out to lunch on the truck race. Ended up wrecking there too, but um, I was shocked by how poor Kyle Larson ran in that race. They seemed to have a much better piece under them for the cup race on Monday evening. Unfortunately, got caught up in that crash. And this, to me, is when the field just blew wide open. We still had a number of dirt guys in the field, but you look at Larson and Bell, and to me, those were the favorites. Those were the guys. That was my sole reason for saying we are not going to see another new winner in 2020 because I thought for sure one of those guys would win this dirt race, and they both got to victory lane early on in the season. And somehow, they ended up in 29th and 34th. That's what I mean about these NASCAR races. They are hard to predict. You never know what's going to happen. The guy that we expected to be good ends up having a terrible weekend in both races. And then Martin Truex Jr. This guy is not what I consider to be a dirt racer. He goes out there and dominates in the trucks. And yes, he's a cup driver. He's in the truck race. He's driving Kyle Busch Motorsports number 51. Either way, though... This, to me, is a racetrack where we see it as an equalizer. We have, um, you know, less importance on aerodynamics and, you know, the average speed in these races is much lower. So to me, it equals the field out. If there's ever a week where your equipment can be balanced out and you can be competitive, I think that this was the weekend. So, yes, Martin Truex Jr. was driving one of the best cars in the Truck Series field when he dominated and won that race, but I do think that it made less of a difference than it would have if we were talking about running on the concrete at Bristol. That being said, Martin Truex Jr., he followed up in the cup race. He was good. He was dominant. 126 laps he led, but as soon as he lost the lead, we talked about it a little earlier, there weren't a ton of lead changes. He was never able to get back up front. Not that he ever fell really far back until the very end end when you it broke my heart for martin truex jr late in that race overtime restart blows a tire hits the wall one of the only tire failures we had we were so worried about tire wear and it was prevalent but we didn't see people blowing right fronts going into the wall like i was almost anticipating when i saw the tire wear during friday's practice sessions martin truex jr he blew that tire and you want to talk about a good day just gone bad and nothing you can do about it. 126 of 250 laps. Martin Truex Jr. ends up in 19th position at the end of the day. 19th for number 19. Uh, really disappointing run for Martin Truex Jr., but a lot to be proud of on this track. Unfortunately, we're not racing dirt anywhere else, so it's not going to carry over most other weeks. But uh, Martin Truex Jr., he was eye-opening to me. Joey Logano, obviously, he won the race. Not a guy I was expecting, again, to be... Up front, I mean, Joey Logano, yes, he can be up front every week. Denny Hamlin, these guys are up front every week, and they ended up 1-2, or 1-3, rather, with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. sneaking into that second place. Uh, he's a guy who you'd expect to run well on dirt, but Joey and Denny, I don't think of as dirt racers. It just goes to show you how well-rounded this current field of NASCAR Cup drivers are to get on the dirt, have just 
two 50-minute practice sessions and, and then drop the green flag and you got to try and figure this out. And one of the guys that doesn't race dirt all the time, Joey Logano, goes right there and grabs the win. Denny Hamlin, he was impressive too. He very well could have won that race. In fact, there was a lot of talk about Denny Hamlin not winning the race. If there was anybody you would expect to move Joey Logano out of the way, you would think it's Denny Hamlin. These two, I mean, they don't exactly have any love loss between them. You can especially go back to where everything culminated in Auto Club uh, California, Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, when they had that big crash battling for the win after they fought none other than at Bristol, which if you got a feud going on right now, get ready. We're going to Martinsville for the next race and then another short track in Richmond. It's all short tracks coming up. So this is where you settle the feuds you made on the dirt. But everybody kind of thought Denny Hamlin would rough him up a little bit, you know, bump and run. Nothing crazy. Just knock him out of the way. He never made that move. He, he kept it very clean. He tried his best to get him on the high side. At the end, it not only cost him the win, he ended up third probably because, you know, he was trying that high lane and it did not work out. Allowed Stenhouse an opportunity to make the move. But I, I was impressed with Denny Hamlin. And it's not a lot of weeks you say that because you're expecting Denny Hamlin to run well. Um, a lot of people, though, a lot of comments on social media were very surprised that Denny Hamlin didn't knock him out of the way after his impression of Joey Logano, too, not that long ago, which I absolutely thought was amazing, that impression he did of Joey Logano. I wish I still had that here in my system because I would pull it up right now. But um, if there was anybody who expected to make the bump and run, it would have been Denny Hamlin. Did not happen. He respected Joey Logano, gave him some room to run. Joey Logano ends up with the win and... That now gets him into playoff contention. In fact, he's at the top of the playoff board. We're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the points coming up in a little bit, but that puts him second in the overall point standings, first in the playoff leaderboard, Denny Hamlin. He's leading the overall standings right now. Nobody is surprised to hear that one. Denny Hamlin, he's up front quite often in the uh, point standings. Yeah, you know, uh, one other driver who I was shocked by, more than anybody, the guy who blew me away, during this race was Daniel Suarez and the whole Trackhouse team. Now, I, I want to stress this again because I'm going to talk up Trackhouse here. I don't. This is not going to carry over into the rest of the season. This one week. That being said, the team had an, I thought a impressive run the previous week um, when we were uh, out at uh, uh, Phoenix. I thought they had, uh, or rather, excuse me, Atlanta. I thought they had an impressive run going. Um, so hopefully that's something to build on there. But Daniel Suarez, he has no dirt track experience. He really doesn't. In fact, he ran the truck race, really wasn't a factor, ended up crashing, and it was just kind of like, oh, man, Daniel, try to survive today. I honestly thought Daniel Suarez was going to win this thing. He was up front for quite a few laps. He ended up getting the lead. He was the one who got it from Truex. He was running away with it for a little bit, led himself a nice chunk of laps up at the front of the field, and more importantly, after leading those 58 laps, he followed it up. By getting a decent finish, top five finish the first time ever for that organization, a fourth place run for Daniel Suarez. This was the team that shocked me, that blew me away, that I expected nothing out of this week. No offense to Daniel Suarez, but it's simply because of a lack of dirt experience. Even with Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, they're not the guys I thought would be up front. But every single week, Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin can run well. I, I don't know an instance when I look at those two up front and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that. Anytime they're up front, you're like, okay, well, Joey did a good job today. He had a good run. That's what we expect. To see Daniel Suarez perform so good on a track type that he has 
so little experience on. It was impressive to see how well he adapted to that. It goes to show you how good of a driver Daniel really is. If they can get their groove under them with this track house organization, we may be able to see some great stuff out of Suarez. Keep in mind, too, we don't focus on it enough, but this guy is a champion. He was a champion in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. His cup career has been rough, but much like the winner of this race, I think Daniel Suarez is another Joey Logano. And the reason I say that is Joey Logano came out of nowhere, won very quickly in the Xfinity Series, and then Tony Stewart stepped aside. Joe Gibbs needed to fill that ride. Bam. Joey Logano's there with very little experience. Suarez, he won the championship, and then January before the start of the cup season, they come out and Carl Edwards shocks the world and retires. Same situation. He probably could have used some more time in Xfinity, but Daniel got thrown into a really good ride. Performance wasn't there. He got a second chance at another really good ride. That only lasted a year when he was at Stuart Haas Racing, and he's been kind of fumbling around trying to find his place in the sport. Well, this track house team, Justin Marks and Pitbull, uh, you know, doing a lot of work there. Uh, I am very impressed with Suarez's performance, and it is worth noting that, Daniel Suarez, he is in playoff contention for real. He is uh, in 20th in points, so he's only four uh, people. He's got a leap ahead of him to make his way up right now into the playoff grid. We have quite a while for him to do that. Um, But if there is anybody in this race who deserved the shout-out for having an incredible run, without a doubt, you have got to give credit to Daniel Suarez. Taking a look at your results, mentioned Ricky Stenhouse Jr., fantastic run for the JTD Darcy team as he comes home in the second position with the 47. He's got himself some dirt racing chops, so he did, uh, he capitalized, I should say, with a fantastic run there. It's Denny Hamlin and Daniel Suarez we talked about, third and fourth. Ryan Newman got himself a top five finish. Great run there for the Roush boys and uh, Ryan Newman and company. William Byron continues to impress this year. He won the sim race on dirt we talked about last week, the iRacing Pro Invitational Series. He was able to go ahead and get to victory lane in that race. Uh, and he ran well on the dirt in real life, too, getting that sixth-place finish. Tyler Reddick, he was good in practice, followed up with a consistent run, ended up in seventh place. Ryan Blaney, last week's winner. Good run from him as well in the eighth position. Eric Jones, they need a top-ten finish. They got it. Ninth place in the 43 for Richard Petty. And Chase Elliott ends up with a top-ten finish. That is your top-ten running order. Some other guys to uh, check out here in the running field or the finishing order. Uh, Kyle Busch. 17th place. This is not what I expected, and it just wasn't Kyle's day. I don't know if you can really put this on Kyle Busch because he may very well have dominated and won this race. He looked like he was going to be lights out on the field when we dropped the green flag. Took off right off the bat, got the lead, started to pull away. Immediately, he started to overheat. He started to fill up the grill, and we saw there was some mud on the track. It was filling up some of these grills. And I think that's where people started to draw, as we talked about a little earlier in the show, the, the comparisons to the debacle that was at Indianapolis in the 08 Brickyard 400. But here's the thing. Out of all the cars that started that race, how many of them overheated? Maybe three. There really wasn't a lot overheating. In fact, I don't know what the Hendrick cars did, but their grills, they, it was almost like they were nonstick, like a nonstick pan. It seemed like no matter how much dirt flew at it, there was a perfectly clean spot on the grill right at the opening where 
they were able to get uh, air into the radiator and not have an issue. Kyle Busch, he had a pit under green, lost himself a lot of time. We actually had a decent sized run to start the race before we had a crash involving Eric Amarola around lap 40. So for Kyle Busch, he fell behind. Then he got into a crash on lap 154, 17th place for this team. Again, I can't find myself worrying about Kyle Busch, even though he's 13th in the standings, does not have a win yet. And that is on the playoff grid. He's only got three guys behind him that can pass him before he falls out of the playoffs on points. I just know this team can win at any point. They could have won, honestly, I think this past weekend. Their practice speeds were fantastic. Very fast car. And they ran very well in those early laps. I know there was a lot that could have happened. Unfortunate uh, circumstances really took Kyle Busch out of it. And uh, another quick note on Kyle, man, uh, if you haven't checked out Radioactive from a NASCAR race up, Kyle Busch was uh, definitely lighting up the radio. I haven't seen it this week, but just the stuff that I had uh, read on Twitter while I was watching the race, it, it definitely seems like Kyle Busch had a lot to say on the radio, uh, especially about the visibility. There was some major frustration there. Uh, another guy who was on my list of drivers to watch that we didn't see much out of, Chase Briscoe, number 14. I really expected to see a good run out of him. He was in the truck race, and he had a top five run there, but it was just a disaster from the get-go, really, for Chase Briscoe. Three separate crashes he was involved in. The first one, when he was running decent right up around the top 10 on lap 49, that was Ryan Newman, who spun around and still got a top five finish, but... Kevin Harvick trying to dodge him, slammed into Chase. It jumped Briscoe's car off the ground. He got both the front wheels off the ground, put him back in traffic, and then it was just tough to avoid some of these wrecks. You saw him get into a number of incidents. Alex Bowman, I was kind of expecting a little more out of him. 22nd place, not a great run there. And shout out on the other end to Stuart Friesen, his first ever cup start, going out there on dirt. It was a little bit shaky. He got close to a couple of incidents. 23rd place, though, brought the car home in one piece. Solid run for Stuart Friesen. Um in his uh, Cup Series debut. Well, coming up in a little bit, I thought the Dale Jr. podcast that he did was very interesting from the other day. Um, They had Marcus Smith from SMI, Speedway Motorsports Inc. on there, talking about a lot of different topics from Bristol to old racetracks that maybe could make a comeback, certain things that fans really wanted to hear. There was some big news on that. Plus, are we going to go street racing? I think we might. They're hitting at it. We might end up street racing. What Could a street course look like and where might it be? I got the details coming up for you next. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. If there's one racetrack you could bring back from the dead and have us go race on in the NASCAR Cup Series or really any of the big three divisions, what would it be? Jeremy Kaufman on uh, Fox Sports 640 here. It's Flag to Flag, your home for NASCAR in Palm Beach. And let me tell you, the rumor mill is swirling, and it's all comments made by Marcus Smith. Now, if you don't know who that is, he is one of the big players at Speedway Motorsports, Inc. And the NASCAR tracks are basically owned by two entities, Bruton Smith's Speedway Motorsports, Inc., Um, And then you've got uh, ISC, International Speedway Corporation, which is NASCAR, and they own, you know, a good chunk of the racetracks, Daytona, Talladega, Homestead, you know, a a bunch on the list that NASCAR owns themselves. Well, Marcus Smith, he, he took the time to go talk to Dale Jr. on the Dale Jr. Download. They do a great podcast. It's so entertaining if you're a race fan. It's really something you should check out. And he was on that show talking a couple of different things. First, what they thought of the Bristol Dirt Race. They seemed to be pretty happy with it. Now, Dale Jr. said what I was against. He said, watch, in three years, we're going to have two dirt races at Bristol. 
Keep the one. I'm okay with the one, but don't take away classic Bristol. I love it. But then Marcus Smith comes back and throws the craziest thing out ever. And I think he's joking. I really think he's joking. He says, in five years, we're going to probably have a roof on Bristol. There's no way. You can't put a roof on a racetrack like that. I'm sorry, especially with the dirt. Daryl Waltrip was taking a victory lap claiming he had proof of the vortex theory because of how the dirt was rising out of the bowl that is the Coliseum of Bristol Motor Speedway with those some 160,000 seats all around the facility. You could see the uh, dirt churning up and lifting out of the track. I couldn't imagine being stuck inside with all of that. I don't care what kind of ventilation you put on. I know it works for the chili bowl, but I just don't see that working at Bristol. Asphalt, dirt, whatever you put on it, it would be nice to not have rain. It's probably the only track small enough or, or it has that stadium feel to where you could put a roof on it. I don't know about that idea. I really don't. But apparently uh, that was one of the things that was mentioned. Uh, that, though, is not what everybody is talking about because he brought up the mecca of NASCAR tracks that people want back. You know what I'm talking about. It's North Wilkesboro Speedway. He said, I just want to let you know, we haven't forgotten about North Wilkesboro. We haven't given up on it. I'm thinking we're working on it. No promises, though. So now everybody's excited to save the Speedway crowd. They want this back. And if you're not an old school NASCAR fan, you're thinking, OK, what is North Wilkesboro Speedway? This racetrack is in uh, it's North Carolina. And it is a little bit larger than Bristol Martinsville. I want to say it's a six uh, 0.625 mile racetrack. So it's a little more than a half mile, not quite three quarters of a mile. But it was a staple on the series for many years. Jeff Gordon won the last race there back in the mid to late 90s. I want to say it was uh, the 1996 Holly Farms uh, 400 that was the final race there. And as a race fan who was born in 1995, I really want to see racing at North Wilkesboro. I wish I had the opportunity. I love these old racetracks. I wish we could bring back a host of them. When I first started watching racing right about the 2007 season, even if it's not a cup race, we had some more variety than we have now, I feel like. You look at places like uh, Mansfield Motorsports Park, Memphis International Raceway. We had the Nashville Super Speedway that's going to be returning. That was on the schedule. You had these little tracks around uh, the country that were on the Xfinity schedule and the truck schedule. And they may not be on the cup schedule, but it was different. And it was a unique opportunity to see these racetracks. I miss those days. I do. As a fan, I want it back. If I had that kind of money, I would revitalize all these old tracks. I'd try to save Myrtle Beach. I know they're well into the process of tearing that thing down. I would love it. Texas World Speedway, too. Remember that old place? Two miles Speedway in uh, College Station, Texas. That's about to be torn down, which really sucks. Uh, I don't know if they've started yet, but I've heard that. But I would love to save all these tracks. Here's the thing, though. I, I got to put on the, the realistic side of this. I would be shocked, and I mean really shocked, any of these racetracks ever come back from the dead really and i hate to be a debbie downer about north wilkesboro i just don't see how this is going to work first of all I, I i will give credit to smi bruton smith's team market smith and everybody like that because they are working to bring back some racetracks we know about the saga ongoing with the fairground speedway in nashville that we're trying to bring back and there is you know the mayor's involved in that there's letters of intent you know there's a process going on where that may just happen Another thing, though, to think about with that one compared to North Wilkesboro, that track is still open. 
it's still got racing going on. In fact, uh, SRX is going to be out there. Uh, I, I believe the ARCA East has a race at the fairgrounds. I'd have to double check that. But there are still some racing happening there. North Wilkesboro is shuttered, and it is in bad shape. If you haven't looked up the track recently, it's the grandstands, obviously, they need to be completely ta- taken down probably and redone. They're, they're very worn. The surface itself has plants growing through it. It's cracked all throughout. There's no safer barriers. They would need to put those in for that racetrack. Modern-day amenities, everything you could imagine that place needs. And then there's another aspect to this. Who the hell knows where North Wilkesboro is if you don't like racing? It's in the middle of nowhere. It's not really close to anything. There's no big markets there. Those are two huge factors, unfortunately, against North Wilkesboro. And I want this track back. I want a 400-lap cup race there like we saw in the 90s. I would be so happy if this announcement came. Ecstatic. But I was sure as heck wouldn't be betting on it. And it's just because I, I just don't feel that there is enough of a financial gain to be made bringing this track back to life. It's the same reason why Myrtle Beach is closing down. It's why these old racetracks didn't last. They just, without the big cup race there, without having major markets nearby, it's becoming tougher and tougher for these racetracks to survive on their own. I really would love to see North Wilkesboro And I know people are getting excited because Marcus Smith is the guy who has the power to get it done. If anybody's bringing it back, it's going to be them. I I think they still own the Speedway, even though it's kind of abandoned. But I just don't know that it's going to happen. I really don't. I wouldn't get your hopes up on it. Let's hope for the Nashville Fairgrounds. Let's start there. Let's get that racetrack back. Maybe one day we can get the nostalgia of North Wilkesboro back, other than it just kind of living on iRacing, but... I just don't see a place in the future for North Wilkesboro to reemerge as a successful motorsports facility. I, I, I feel terrible saying it. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm deflating the room uh, from the excitement that Marcus Smith had there. But all I can say is this. To Marcus, to SMI, we're begging you. I've never wanted to be more wrong in my life. Bring that track back. Prove me wrong. Make money off of it. I really want to see racing back there but I sure as heck would not be putting any money on it. I'll tell you where I will be putting my money, though. Street racing in Chicago. Now, I don't know about this. This is a market that they've tried this in many, many, many years ago. We're talking the early days of NASCAR. But this is a new rumor that has started to swirl, and it is because of the iRacing uh, Pro Invitational Series that we've got going on 10 weeks of this year going to be on Wednesday nights, split between Fox Sports and NBC, depending on when their coverages are. Uh, we have a couple of races still to air on Fox Sports. Uh, and the Bristol Dirt Race was the opener for that, but it was announced by Ben Kennedy, who works for NASCAR, that uh, the Chicago street circuit would be joining this pro-invitational series on iRacing. And it is not a real street course that has been run. It is a rendering that they've made for iRacing, It will run through Grant Park. If you're familiar with any part of Chicago, it's just on the north side of Soldier Field. And they said it would use some of their most famous streets, including Lakeshore Drive, Michigan Avenue, and Columbus Avenue. Now, here's the thing. This race may very well become a reality. Depending on how we do here on iRacing, Chicago is one of the largest markets in the country. And NASCAR dropped Chicago last year. It really surprised me. The attendance wasn't great at Chicagoland Speedway. Anybody could see that. 
The racing there was, it was on par with the other mile and a half, so I didn't have a problem with it. We had some good shows. We had some, you know, more mediocre shows. That's just what happens sometimes. But NASCAR made the move to drop that one in Kentucky Speedway. And that honestly surprised me. I figured they would take a date from one of the other tracks before they they cut off Kentucky and Chicagoland, both of them really, because Kentucky had good attendance. They had just done a bunch of infrastructure stuff that I know really annoyed the people in Kentucky who, you know, in the governor's office who worked to get that highway rebuilt just for NASCAR to be like, ah, peace, we're done. But Chicagoland Speedway surprised me just because of how big the market was and to leave a hole there. Now NASCAR's talking about their street race. They've already kind of taken a never-say-never attitude to, well, maybe we'll see it in real life. I think we're going to. To me, it sounds like they're going to test this thing out, and as early as next season, there will be a race on the streets of Chicago. So that begs the question, heavy stock cars on a street circuit, is that going to be a great show? I have no idea. I didn't know about the Bristol Dirt Race. I enjoyed that. But who really knows if this is going to be a good show? When was the last time you could think of NASCAR running on a street course? The road courses are exciting. That's why we've got so many of them added on this year. I know I sure am enjoying this road course racing. Yeah, I think it might be chaotic. We're probably going to see some more crashes than we would like in the beginning here uh, at this Chicago street circuit if it does happen. Street circuits are traditionally, because they are just regular roads, much more narrow and have less uh, room for forgiveness like you have at some of these racetracks where you got grass and dirt and big runoff areas and sand traps to catch you from hitting the wall. I think we'll see a wreck fest. I do. But if you put this race in the heart of Chicago, which I'm assuming Soldier Field is pretty close to the heart of uh, Chicago, you're probably going to get a good crowd out there. It's going to generate excitement. It's something new. It's something different. Look at the effect this Bristol Dirt Race just had. When you really look at it, even if you weren't a fan of it, it got people talking about NASCAR. And it had a decent rating, Honestly, you know, over 3 million viewers for a Monday at 4 p.m. on Fox. We still got the, you know, uh, the Fox, they, they followed through and they, they kept it on broadcast. So we still got that, which was nice. But I think trying something new and giving a street circuit a chance is a good idea. Because if it sucks, then it, we don't do it again. If the Bristol Dirt Race sucked, oh, well, we botched it. It wasn't a good idea. We tried something new. It failed. We're not going to do it again. If the race doesn't work, don't do it again. But what's wrong with trying something new? Everybody complains that NASCAR is too cookie cutter with these mile and a half. The schedule never changes. We change the schedule. Everybody complains then too. I know there were a mixed reaction to a Chicago street circuit, but you know, initially it seemed like mostly negative reaction to the Bristol dirt race. And that one, even with, you know, reduced capacity, it still sold out way in advance There was a damn good crowd on site for that dirt race on a Monday afternoon. I mean, it was pretty impressive considering that we're in a pandemic and racing on a Monday. So trying something new at the very least is going to generate buzz. I think that's great if you can get any publicity like that. Streets of Chicago, bring it on. Let's race on the streets of Chicago. I would love it. I think it'd be a fun, fun race. um, And I definitely think it'll be a race of attrition as well that you're just going to have to kind of try and survive on a little bit. Well, talking about the next race coming up this weekend, we got nothing. It's Easter weekend, and traditionally, motorsports takes it off, and everybody across the board, from NASCAR to Formula One to IndyCar, whose uh, season is getting ready to start in a couple of weeks, we got no racing this weekend. For some teams, though, I think that's a good thing. This is a great point in the season 
to reset, glance at our point standings, and look at where you are in your performance. We're seven weeks into the year right now. We have a 36-race season. It's a long year, and when you put that in perspective, you got plenty of time to turn things around. But we need to get focused on making the playoffs. So you have 26 races when you take the playoffs out. To make the playoffs, 26 races, seven of those gone. We are almost at a third of the the regular season. When you think about it, nine races is going to put us right about a third of the regular season. We have just had seven. So we're starting to see the points shape up to where everybody's going to be. Our winners this year, it's still a bit of a mixed-matched list, and we have had seven different winners. The rules still stand if you win, you're in, but there's only 16 spots, so if we have 16 winners and somebody else wins, someone's going to be the odd man looking out, or uh, looking in, rather. We haven't had that ever since this format uh, debuted in 2014, but I really don't think we're going to have that problem. I still think we're not going to have more than 16 winners in 26 weeks, even with this impressive start. It's just a tall order to have that many different winners. Here is our standings right now. Joey Logano, he leads the playoff grid. He's got a win, Truex a second. Larson, Byron, Blaney, Bell, McDowell make up the top seven, and they've all got their wins. They've got some playoff points. Danny Hamlin, he's the overall points leader, not in victory lane yet with 327 points, but that's important because the regular season champion can earn themselves a lot of playoff bonus points by winning that points championship at the end of 26 weeks. There's a trophy that comes with the two. So for Denny Hamlin, I think great start to the season. He's in great position. And by the way, whoever wins the regular season championship will make the playoffs. You do not have to win in that situation. So Denny Hamlin can make the playoffs on that. Brad Keselowski, he sits behind him um, ninth in the playoff grid. Then we've got Kevin Harvick in 10th. Chase Elliott in 11th, Austin Dillon doing well, sitting in 12th place. Kyle Busch, we talked about him a little further back, sitting in 13th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., this definitely helped him this week with that second place finish. He bumps up to 14th. Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman wrap up the guys that are currently in right now. So then the guys on the outside looking in, we got Chris Buescher, Ryan Priest, Ryan Newman, Daniel Suarez, and Bubba Wallace. The bottom two are new teams, and they're only a couple of spots out of playoff contention right now. It's going to change throughout the year. Hopefully those teams will get better, but the fact that they are ahead of the next guys on my list, to me, uh, it, it says good things for them, getting a solid, consistent start at 2311 Racing and Trackhouse, who had the fantastic run this weekend. But it says a lot about who really needs this break more so than anything in my book there are a couple of drivers who have had i mean you can call it atrocious and i think it's an understatement the start to the year has been terrible matt to benedetto everything that can go wrong with matt to benedetto goes wrong it continued this weekend they damaged the car taking it out of the truck and then they had to start at the rear to fix it i've never seen so many issues this is the team a couple of weeks ago that had a gun break and only was able to change three tires i can't imagine what it's like having one really worn tire and three great tires it's kind of like with a boat with two engines you put one engine on leave the other one off you spin in circles the thing had to drive terrible this is the luck matt de benedetto's had and it shows in the standings they are currently 24th zero top tens and that's an improvement over where they have been um Tyler Reddick, he sits in 25th with the top five and top, uh, two top tens after this weekend. That helped him out a bit. But, you know, they're still a good ways out of it, sitting back in 25th. There's a lot of points to be made up. Ross Chastain's only got one top ten as he sits back there in the 26th place. And then the two guys I worry about really right now that should be higher up, first and foremost in 28th in points, the bottom of the ladder, Eric Almarola. He is almost 100 points out of playoff contention right now. He's only two spots 
in where he can actually advance into the playoffs. If he falls out of the top 30, he won't even make the playoffs with a win. He's that far back in points. 100 points out. Eric Amarola, he can win a race, but he doesn't win consistently. It's just the fact of the matter. He does not win every single season. And if he doesn't win, that means he has 100 points that he has to gain over the next uh, 19 weeks to make the playoffs. That is a tall order. Chase Briscoe, rookie driver, 27th in points, no top 10s either. He's looking like somebody who's going to have to win. And, you know, rookies, they don't win on a consistent basis. So I am concerned really about those two Stuart Haas cars, Eric Amarola, Chase Briscoe, struggling to start the year. Eric was having a decent run. He spun out. He was in that big wreck early. We already talked about Chase Briscoe with three wrecks over the course of just the one 250-lap race at Bristol. So that was really tough for them. And they panic button. You know, earlier in the season, I was saying it's a little too soon. It's a little too soon. No, if you are sitting 28th in points after seven weeks and you're 100 points out of playoff contention, panic. Believe me, it is warranted. Panic as much as you can. You guys have to turn it around. Use this off week to your advantage because we don't have another one coming until the Olympics in the summer after this. So do not waste that off week. It is so important that you use this time to get better. Obviously, like I said, You got the time. We're off for Easter weekend, and then we head back out to Martinsville. That's going to be coming up. We're taking the week off, too, since we got new NASCAR news coming out, but we'll be back after Martinsville two weeks from today on Fox Sports 640, 7 p.m. or after the game to recap all of the action, and that's going to be coming up Saturday, April 10th. You can catch the Cup race, and Friday, April 9th, 250 laps in the Xfinity race from Martinsville as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you later. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640.